Welcome to the Right Division Network Podcast, a production of Grace Family Bible Church in Buffalo, New York. I'm your host, Pastor Scott Morton. And we'd like to thank you once again for joining us as we study God's Word, Rightly Divided. We're going to be continuing today here in our studies here in the book of 1 Thessalonians. And we're here in chapter number 4. We've been looking at verse number 16, which says, For the Lord himself shall descend from heaven with a shout, with the voice of the archangel, and with the trump of God, and the dead in Christ shall rise first. Now, as we've been looking at this passage, and we've been seeing how the Lord Jesus Christ is going to be returning for the members of the body of Christ, those who have put their trust in the gospel message for today, the fact that Christ died for our sins according to the scriptures, that he was buried, that he rose again on the third day according to the scriptures. The event that's going to end this dispensation, we've been looking at how the apostles Paul is speaking of the appearance of the Lord Jesus Christ in the air and how he's going to appear with these three things. The shout, the voice of the archangel, and with the trump of God. And so we're going to be picking up today, starting to look at this issue of the trump of God that the Lord Jesus Christ is coming with. Now let's turn over in our Bibles to 1 Corinthians chapter number 15. I'm going to see where in this chapter where the Apostle Paul is speaking about all sorts of things related to the resurrection. He starts describing the new body that we are going to receive that's going to be able to exist in the heavenly places for all of eternity. I'm going to read here verses 51 and 52 of chapter 15. It says, Behold, I shew you a mystery. We shall not all sleep, but we shall all be changed. In a moment, in the twinkling of an eye, at the last trump, for the trumpet shall sound, and the dead shall be raised incorruptible, and we shall be changed. Now, As the Apostle Paul is describing this, we see how he first starts off with this issue of saying that, I shew you a mystery. And so often individuals really just take the idea of the mystery that he's identifying here and say that it's the rapture, the catching out of the saints. Now, that's not a mystery at this point by the time he's writing 1 Corinthians because 1 Thessalonians has already been written. And because this epistle is coming after 1 Thessalonians, the catching out of the saints is not the mystery. The mystery is right after he says that he's going to show show him a mystery he says we shall not all sleep but we shall all be changed so the mystery which is being identified here is the fact that there's going to be a change the new body 
that we are going to receive. This is what the Apostle Paul is saying is the mystery here. Then he starts describing all of those things. But as he says it here, he's giving a timing here, and he says, in a moment, in the twinkling of an eye, at the last trump. Now, when people fail to rightly divide the word of truth, they'll take that statement and try to put it as, well, since he's saying the last trump, that we have to be putting this time then at the end of the trumpet judgments in the book of Revelation because there's seven trumpets identified and the last one then would be the seventh trump or the last trump that's being said. Now, one of the things that we've talked about this many, many times, if we turn over to 1 Thessalonians, go to chapter number 1, we're going to see a statement that the Apostle Paul makes in verse 10, where it says, And to wait for his Son from heaven, whom he raised from the dead, even Jesus, which delivered us from the wrath to come. Well, let's look over in chapter 5 and verse number 9. For God hath not appointed us to wrath, but to obtain salvation by our Lord Jesus Christ. Now, these two statements in the book of First Thessalonians are showing that we, the members of the body of Christ, are not appointed to wrath. We are not going to face the wrath of God. We're not going to be around when God's wrath is being poured out. And the scriptures make it very clear to identify and say, when is God's wrath being poured out? Let's turn over to the book of Revelation. Go to Revelation chapter number 6, and we're going to see that John, as he's writing the information that has been revealed unto him, he's going to make it clear of when the wrath is actually being identified. And here in Revelation chapter number 6, we're going to start here at verse number 12. It says, And I beheld when he had opened the sixth seal, and lo, there was a great earthquake, and the sun became black as sackcloth of hair, and the moon became as blood, and the stars of heaven fell unto the earth, even as a fig tree casteth her untimely figs, when she is shaken of a mighty wind. And the heaven departed as a scroll, when it is rolled together, and every mountain and island were moved out of their places, and the kings of the earth, and the great men, and the rich men, and the chief captains, and the mighty men, and every bondman, and every free man, hid themselves in the dens, and in the rocks, and the mountains, and said to the mountains and rocks, 
fall on us and hide us from the face of him that sitteth on the throne and from the wrath of the Lamb. For the great day of his wrath is come and who shall be able to stand. So here in Revelation chapter number 6, we see this statement about how it says that the day of his wrath is come. So they're able to clearly identify the fact that the wrath is there at that particular moment, that there's not a way to be able to say that this is speaking of something else. They're clearly identifying the fact. So everything that would come after that would be falling into the time of the wrath of God, which is known as the day of the Lord. Now, we've seen how prophecy identified that there was going to be certain signs that Israel would be able to see that would point out that that wrath was there. And the Jews require a sign. So this is why they have these signs being given to them so that way they can be able to see certain things and understand what is actually going on with them. In Joel chapter number 2, you see how in Joel writes this, and we're going to read from verse 28 down through verse 32. It says, And it shall come to pass afterward that I will pour out my spirit upon all flesh, and your sons and your daughters shall prophesy, your old men shall dream dreams, your young men shall see visions, and also upon the servants and upon the handmaids in those days while I pour out my spirit. And I will show wonders in the heavens and in the earth, blood and fire and pillars of smoke. The sun shall be turned into darkness and the moon into blood before the great and terrible day of the Lord come. So Joel lists out a number of different things that are going to occur and says that these are the things that are going to happen before the great and terrible day of the Lord come. The beginning part of this passage is what you see if you look at Acts chapter number 2 and they're starting to see those signs happening and Peter's standing there and he starts talking about how this is that which was spoken by the prophet Joel, identifying the fact that what was occurring in Acts 2 was the beginning of those signs leading to the fact that the great and terrible day of the Lord was going to come. There was an interruption in those things. The interruption is the dispensation of the grace of God. Revelation chapter number 6, which we just read, showed how those last parts of those signs talking about 
the things of the sun and the moon. If we go back to Revelation 6, verse 12, And I beheld when he had opened the sixth seal, and lo, there was a great earthquake, and the sun became black as sackcloth of hair, and the moon became as blood. That those are the last parts of what was spoken by Joel, identifying the fact that the day of the Lord was there. Now, that's the sixth seal. So, when you get to chapter 8 of the book of Revelation, and you read verse 1, And when he had opened the seventh seal, there was silence in heaven about the space of half an hour. And I saw the seven angels which stood before God, and to them were given seven trumpets. So, you have the opening of the seventh seal, which happens after the opening of the sixth seal. The sixth seal identifies the fact that the wrath of God is come. The seventh seal opens. Then you have these angels who are given the seven trumpets to blow. And you see from starting in Verse 7 of chapter 8, it says, The first angel sounded, and there followed hail and fire mingled with blood, and they were cast upon the earth, and the third part of the trees were burnt up, and all the green grass was burnt up. Verse 8, and the second angel sounded. And you start seeing how the book of Revelation starts identifying these blowing of the trumpets, and they go all the way through. If we turn over to chapter number 11 in the book of Revelation, verse 15, And the seventh angel sounded, and there were great voices in heaven, saying, The kingdoms of the world are become the kingdoms of our Lord and of his Christ, and he shall reign forever and ever. Now, that's pretty far in to the book of Revelation, the blowing of the seventh trumpet and getting close to the end of the 70th week. So if the last trump ties in with the seven trumpets of the book of Revelation, then the catching out of the saints would not be occurring until towards the end of the 70th week, which would mean that the members of the body of Christ would be facing the wrath of God, which we read in 1 Thessalonians chapter 1, verse 10, and 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, verse 9, that the body of Christ is not going to face the wrath of God. Now, since that trumpet is not part of that wrath, then we have to really start looking and say, okay, what is that trump that's identified as the trump that the Lord Jesus Christ is coming with? First Corinthians saying that it calls it the last trump. We have to see, okay, what is that? Now, when you look at 
the idea of what a trumpet was used for. You see how there's a few different purposes that were used. One was the idea of a call to assembly. So the trumpet would be used to notify people that it was time for them to gather and also to identify where it was that they were supposed to be gathering. You see that the trumpet would be used as a notification for the fact of that there's something going on that they needed to be fully aware of. You can see that it was a used at times as a call to warning. So if we just look at this idea using those different issues, we would see how, okay, if the trumpet's being used as a call to assembly, they would be identifying the fact that, okay, we are to be gathering up with him and identifying exactly where that is because if he's in the air and he's blowing the trumpet, then we're to be gathering where he is in the air. It's a notice of what is going on, that this is the event that we've been looking for, our hope, and now is the time of that hope. It's a call to warning that God is ready to pour out his wrath. So you see these things of, you know, that this is going to happen. And it would be make it very clear to the individuals. And so when people start saying about thinking that they could possibly have missed the catching out of the saints, you know, if somebody has put their trust in the gospel message for today, it would be impossible for them to miss it because they would be able to hear that trumpet and the announcement of that it's our gathering together with him in the air, that that is evidence. Now, mankind over the years has continually tried to identify that, you know, while the catching out of the saints is going to happen at some particular time. And people have done all sorts of research for them to you know, say, okay, well, we're going to pinpoint the exact day and time and we're going to write about it. We're going to publish it as a book and make all sorts of money based on this book that we're writing. And so you keep seeing over and over again these individuals who just keep saying here is going to be the date of the catching out of the saints. And you can see if you just go back and look through history, you see all these different individuals who just kind of kept setting dates and 
you know, going all the way back to just shortly after the death, burial, and resurrection of the Lord Jesus Christ, and that individuals just kept have been setting dates for the end of the world, setting dates for the catching out of the saints. And just even if you look at, you know, the things of individuals who've been predicting this even recently, you had, for example, Pat Robertson claimed that the end of the world was going to be in 1982. You have Hal Lindsey who had set up, you know, 1988 as being the end of the world. You have, you know, Harold Camping who set multiple, you know, in 1994 set three different time frames in that year was going to happen. Then put it as 1995. Then put it as 2011. And then in 2011 set future dates, uh, you know, that were of when it was going to happen. You've had, you know, James Usher, who a lot of individuals have used the dating system. You know, October 23rd, 1997 was supposed to be the end of the world, which means that the rapture would have happened before they would have occurred. A number of individuals, you know, had set January 1st of 2000 to be the date that that was going to happen. You've had individuals who predicted, you know, things in 2020 and 2021 and saying that this is when it's going to happen. You have individuals who are setting, you know, future dates and saying that, for example, 2028 is when the rapture is going to happen. You have individuals putting things, you know, even farther out from that to say that this is when this is going to occur. And the problem with all of it is that when the all of these dates fail to happen, it shakes the faith of the individuals who are hearing this. And they start doubting the words of what is said in the Bible and failing to understand that Yes, if they have put their trust in the gospel message for today, that they're going to be part of this event. They have a guarantee of being part of it because once you put your trust in the gospel message as found in 1 Corinthians chapter number 15, the very moment that happens, we are sealed with that Holy Spirit of promise, we are put in a position where we are capped to be saved that way. There's nothing we can do. Because if there truly was something that we could do today that could undo the work of what the Lord Jesus Christ has accomplished for us, as much as we would say that we wouldn't do it, we would do exactly what it is that would undo that work. And that's why God had to set it up for us that make it impossible 
to undo what the Lord Jesus Christ has accomplished for us today. And that's such good news for us to truly understand and what should really be motivating us to want to be going out and sharing this message with other individuals who don't have the hope of what God's word is actually saying for them today. We have that message. We should be going out and sharing this message with other individuals. Now, as we close here, I'd like to remind everyone of our website, which is www.gracefamilybiblechurch.org. And on our website, we have a number of study articles. We have some charts to help you in your study of God's Word. We have information on how to join our Sunday service and Wednesday night Bible study live as they're being broadcast on Facebook. If you happen to be in the Buffalo area, we'd love to have you join us on Sunday mornings at 9 a.m. at 83 Anderson Road in Cheektowaga, New York to study with us and just to have that time of fellowship with the members of the body of Christ. As we close, I to remind everyone to keep fighting that good fight of faith, preaching this message to this lost and dying world.